Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. I have to tell you, uh, I think the horse trail group is the hardest working group of camp. Just to let you know, I went to meet some of their horses and I was like, so who does all of that? And who does that? And who do-? They do all the work. They work hard. Round of applause to you, amazing young ladies. And I don't know where Grace is. Grace came up here and rocked that song. Were y'all ready for that? Y'all weren't even ready for that. Grace, we were not ready for you. You rocked that song. Uh, so we're going to continue um, in our going into scriptures and hearing about beauty from ashes. If you remember Sunday night, I talked to you about Jesus again being in Gethsemane before he went to the cross to really die for us. And then last night I talked to us about before he went to the cross, there was a moment in his life where he was in a synagogue, which is a place of worship, and he opened up the scriptures and he read from Isaiah, which we've been focusing on this week in Isaiah 61, and he quoted the scripture saying, this scripture is now fulfilled in your presence. And then there's a moment before that, we're going all the way backwards in Jesus' life, where Jesus had the Holy Spirit come upon him and stay upon him. And that was important because if you go to the Old Testament, anybody heard of a guy named Samson? Show of hands. Okay, so Samson was a guy, what was he known for if you know of him? Strength. And if you were to read through the book of Judges and Samson's life, every time Samson did something strong, it says this, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. So Samson's strength was not his own. God's spirit would come upon him. And most times throughout the Old Testament, the spirit of God would come upon a person to do something great. But with Jesus, it was said that the spirit of God would come upon him and stay because God would do something new. That was the sign. And I don't know if anybody in here liked to cook. Anybody like to cook in here? Okay. All right. Uh, When I first learned how to cook pasta, I was told and taught that when you cook pasta, you put it in a pot of water, hot boiling water, and you know when pasta is ready, when you can take a piece of pasta, you throw it against the wall, and it what? It sticks. You said the ceiling. How are you going to get it from the ceiling, though, if you put it up? I'm short. I got a short problem, so getting it up. But if you throw it against the wall or the ceiling and it sticks, that means the pasta is ready. That's, that's the sign to know that pasta is ready. So one time, when I was dating my now wife, I figured... She's back there with my, two of my kids. There they are back there. That applause should be for me that she even accepted me, the amazing woman. After you hear this story, y'all going to be like, y'all going to give her a bigger round of applause. So I'm like, I'm going to cook her a homemade meal, right? So I'm all about exploring other cultures. So I was like, I'm going to make some Mexican food. So I, I got a recipe. I started making it. And one of the things on the side dishes I was going to make, everything else was good. But the side dish, I wanted to make guacamole. Anybody like guacamole? I like, I like saying guacam- guacamole, guacamole. You said you never had it? What? You got a guacamole shirt? That's all. So, she has a guacamole shirt. So, anybody know what guacamole is made of? Avocado. So, what I did not know, what I did not know is I went to the grocery store. I got all the ingredients. I got home. I started making my, these little tacos and all that stuff. All of it was really, really good. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to now make 
the guacamole. And so I got the avocado. I actually brought one tonight from the store. I need a volunteer. Maui, I'm going to bring Maui up because we've never had guacamole. Let's give him a round of applause. Maui, you've never had guacamole. You've never had avocado. I might have, have you. I don't, can people be allergic to avocado? I'm going to have you. I'm, I don't want you. you you're good? You just don't. Why, why not? It doesn't look at, look at that. That doesn't look at, no, you, you got a good point. So I want you to, if you can, cut that open for me, Maui. With a butter knife. Don't cut yourself. There you go, look at that. He's got, he's got to use some muscles. It's more of a workout than he thought. Look at, I'm sorry that I keep putting food on the floor every single night. Last night was Skittles. Look at that. You know, you know how, anybody know how to get the seed out of a guacamole? I don't know if this is sharp enough to do it. This isn't sharp enough to do it. You just slam the knife, and it comes right out, right? So here is a guacamole, what it looks like on the inside. Maui, I want you, if you don't mind, put your finger in the core right there. How does that feel? Is it soft, or is it pretty firm? Is it soft? Can you scoop it and eat any of that? You want to try it? This is going to be his first time eating guacamole. Here we go. You got it? <laughs> he ate it, ladies and gentlemen, he ate it. What do you think? You do need some salt on it. It's not that bad, right? Not really. So how does that taste? It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. All, right. You, any, all right. Thank you. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you for being courageous, Maui. So one of the bad things I did, Maui, you got to try guacamole again and avocado. One of the bad things I did is this one isn't ripe. It's not that ripe. This is what I learned when I made my wife dinner that night. I went to the store, I bought some guacamole, I bought avocado. What nobody told me was that it takes a few days for avocado to ripen. So I was going to make guacamole, which is nothing but smashed avocado. And I cut it open, I started smashing it, and it wasn't smashing. I never made guacamole tonight because I did not know the signs of when avocado was ready. I knew the signs when pasta was ready. I didn't know the signs when guacamole was ready. And in the scriptures I'm going to read to you in a moment, there was a man named John the Baptist. He was called John the Baptist. Anybody want to know why he was called John the Baptist? He baptized people. And he said this. He said, I was sent to baptize because one day I would baptize Jesus Christ. And I would know who he was because in all of my baptizing, it would be the one where I would see the Holy Spirit come upon him and stay upon him. That would be the sign. I want to read that to you from the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're going to put these on the screen too. It says this, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one who I meant when I said, A man who comes after me, me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remained on him. And I myself did not know him, he says it again, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. In Isaiah 61, it says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me 
Before Christ could go to the cross and die for you, the Spirit of God had to remain on Jesus Christ so that he can then be sent, not to everybody who's perfect, but be sent to the poor, that he could be sent to the captive. And tonight we're going to focus that he was sent to those who mourn. But before he could do all of that, the Spirit had to rest upon him. Can you fathom that all the way in the Old Testament in Isaiah when this was written, that God did all this work, he put it all in motion, that one day Jesus would come and be baptized and put it all in motion for a night such as this? knowing that you would be here, knowing that you would be seeking and wondering who God is. And he put it all in motion so that he could encounter you. Do you know that you matter that much to God? That he put that all in motion many, 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 many years ago. What the scriptures tell us is this, that Jesus then came and he came to, be to, to die for us and he came to die for us to give us a great gift. My question will be to you tonight, are you ready to receive that gift? And maybe you've already received it, but I want you to begin when you leave here to be asking yourself that question. I want to read verse 2 from Isaiah 61, which we've been focusing on over the last few days. It says this in verse 2 in chapter 61. Jesus came, the Spirit was on him to do what? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people in this world who need comfort. Would you agree with me on that? So about, oh man, this Saturday will be five years since I gathered with 20 people and we started a church in Southwest Baltimore. Five years ago, July 20th, right? So we started the church in a community that has a lot of issues because we believe that Jesus Christ came not for those who are perfect, but he came for those of us in hard places. And he calls Christians to do the same. And so we started a church in a community that doesn't have all the things that are perfect. They actually have a lot of things that people consider wrong, but we wanted to be present and love people there five years ago. And when we went doing it, we knew it wasn't going to be easy, and I had a five-year plan that didn't look easy. But then a year later in 2015, some stuff happened that I was not in my five-year plan. Anybody know what happened in 2015 in Baltimore? Some people call it riots, some people call it uprisings, whatever you want to call it. It happened in 2015. I remember when it was happening, and I was like, oh, Lord, no. Oh, Lord, no. This was not part of my plan. Oh, Lord, no. It was already hard. This makes it harder. And a lot of it seeped into the community where our church is. So I'll tell you this brief story. There's a lot of stories I could tell you, but I'll tell you some things that you might not have seen because a lot of people weren't on the ground. But when these things started happening, there was phone calls that went out to all the pastors and saying, hey, can you go to where all these fires are happening and can you go and try to bring peace? Can you go and try to comfort those who are there? And so I get in my car, I call my wife. I don't know what she's going to say. She might tell me not to go. I call her. I say, hey, you see what's happening on the TV? She's like, yeah. I was like, I'm going. She was like, go. My wife is pretty legit, right? She was like, I got the kids, I got the house, you go. So then I drive down, it's on this place called North Avenue, and uh, I, I park, and I park a few blocks away because I don't, in case things get crazy, I want to be able to get to my car, and I can tell you, I get out the car, I'm about four blocks away from everything's happening, and the smoke is filling the air because the CVS is burning, if you saw that on TV. I'm right down there, and I get out the car, and I'm walking towards fire. It's crazy. I had a moment like, what in the world am I doing? And as I'm walking towards fire, people, if I'm walking this way, this is North Avenue, the fire is that way. People are coming across the intersection in their car. They're looking down there and realizing they can't get down there, so they're turning right. 
Someone looks down there and realizes I can't turn left. They turn right. But right when their car turned right, a motorcycle is trying to get around them, and they crash into the motorcycle. The person falls. The car looks and drives away. That's not right. So I'm walking down the street, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm here to comfort people. And I see this accident happen. And I'm like, well, I didn't come here for that. And then the Lord said, I'm, I've sent you to comfort just as I have. So me and a whole bunch of other people come around this person, and we care for this person. And there's a car that stops in the middle of North Avenue. And the woman says, what are you doing? We're saying, we're waiting for an ambulance. And she says, you know, an ambulance isn't going to come. There's too much going on down the street. She says, put this complete, she doesn't say this, but it's a complete stranger in my car. So me and some other strangers clean out her car because he had stuff in it. We put it in her trunk. We pick up this man that we don't know. His ankle was hurt. We put him in a complete stranger's car, and she takes him to the hospital. What you won't always see in all of the story in this world is how God is often sending his people into hard places to comfort those who mourn. That's just one story. The next day I woke up, I went back to the same place. And as I was there in the morning, there were hundreds of people from Pennsylvania and Virginia, from Baltimore, from the county, hundreds of people with their brooms and trash bags who came to the very place where things had burned down, willing to clean. I want you to hear that Christ came to comfort those who mourn, and he then works in our lives to send us to comfort those who mourn. When you see the division and the brokenness and the hate and the pain and the hurt of this world, and you don't know how it, how it meets with your faith, I want you to hear that Christ coming to earth was to also address the brokenness that we see in our entire world. I'm going to tell you a moment in Scripture. It's actually in John chapter 4, if you want to read it in your personal time. It's when Jesus goes to a place that they call the woman at the well. He has an encounter with this woman. And he goes to a well, and it says in the scriptures that this woman was coming to the well at noon. Now, I want you all to pick this up. I'm going to put a few things down, and I want you to pick it up, okay? I'm going to put a few things down, I want you to pick it up. Y'all with me? I'm going to put a few things down, I want you to pick it, pick it up. This woman went to the well at noon. Let me ask you this question. Yesterday, I told you I didn't take showers all the time. I take them all the time now. But most people take showers when? In the night or in the so when people go to a well to get water for their bathing, it's going to happen most times at the night or the morning. This woman went at noon because she was ashamed. Because she was ashamed in her community. She had a lot of things to be ashamed. So she went to the well to get water when she expected nobody else to be there. She gets to this place where she thinks nobody else is going to be there because nobody goes to get water at noon. And then she encounters Jesus. And Jesus looks at her and he says, can you get me some water? And she looks at Jesus and says to him, why are you talking to me? Because Jesus is a Jew and, and she's a Samaritan. You might not know what that means, but just put it this way. Those two people groups did not talk to each other. So Jesus came and he's like, I'm going to mess up all the division that you have in this world. I'm going to knock it down. I'm going to meet this woman in the middle of the day and the well and the person who I'm not supposed to talk to, I'm going to talk to. So the woman even says to Jesus, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew. And she says this, I am a Samaritan, which means you're not supposed to talk to me. And I am a woman, which means you're not supposed to talk to me. And Jesus is crashing down all of these divisions. And he says, if you knew who you were talking to, and if you knew the gift I would be willing to give you, you would ask water from me and you would never thirst again. 
It gets a little bit deeper because at some point, Jesus asks her, where's her husband? And she was like, oh, I don't have one. And Jesus just pulls up her whole mess of her life. She's been married many, many times. And, and you might, some people say, well, she was married many times because she wasn't the best wife. But it could be that she was just divorced many times because back in those days, women didn't have much say in whether they stayed married. A guy could divorce at any moment. Regardless of what the situation was, Jesus didn't allow her brokenness to keep him away. He came to comfort those who mourn. And what I love is after she encountered Jesus, it says that she left, ran back to her town, and told them about Jesus. Now, this is what I want you to pick up what I'm putting down. I want you to pick up what I'm I want you to pick up what I'm putting down. It says that she left her bucket. Why did she go to the well? To get some water. She brought a bucket to get some water. And she encounters Jesus, and all of a sudden she's filled with something else, and she runs back to town and leaves the very bucket that she brought, thinking that's what she needed. And some of us, we come into moments saying, Lord, this is what I need. And he gives us what we really need. And then we can leave that bucket that says I need acceptance. We can leave that bucket that says I need to be approved. We can leave that bucket that says I need to be perfect. We can leave that bucket that says that I'm ashamed. Sometimes we bring a bucket and says, this is what I need. And Jesus says, no, I want to touch you in the depths of your heart and fills you in a way that you didn't even know you needed to be filled. And you end up leaving the bucket. It gets deeper. Y'all ready for this? Are you going to pick up what I'm putting down? You want to pick up what I'm? She runs back to town and tells everybody about Jesus. Why did she go at noon to go to the well? She was ashamed. She went to get water at noon because she was ashamed. And the very people she was avoiding after encountering Jesus, after being comforted by Jesus, after meeting Jesus face to face, the very people she avoided, she ran to. That's what happens when Jesus comforts us. He makes us whole. And the very things or people that we felt like we couldn't be around, We can be so filled that we then go back and say, I have to tell you about a man named Jesus. Here's my last point, which I love about this moment. I want you to be reminded when you leave this place that Jesus has come in every care in this world that you might experience, that you might see, that might cause you any level of anxiety to know that Jesus Christ came not just to transform your life, but to transform our world. And what I love about that is that he uses people who feel like they can't be used. Can you fathom this? The woman in town that everybody probably looked down upon, and if you were to go to a certain town, you would say, who would be the one person in my school that Jesus could use to change my school? You'd probably look at the most popular person, the most attractive person, the most athletic person, the most intelligent person, but who Jesus chose was the one in isolation. He comforted her. And she went back to town, and the whole town came to believe in Jesus. Because of a woman who was grieving, who encountered a God who comforts. That is good news. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Are you picking up what I'm? That is good news. Jesus has come to comfort those who mourn. And in our world, in all of its pain, There's always people of God in hard places who've been comforted by God to bring comfort to those who are grieving 
at the same time. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth, for the truth that your spirit rested upon Jesus. And you sent Jesus into these hard places to bring a comfort beyond what we could even understand. I thank you that it wasn't just the woman at the well, but many times over and over again, you broke the social norms, you broke the divisions of hate, you broke the places of shame, and you set people free, and you've comforted them in the depths of their souls. You only do it once, but you do it again and again. So I pray for my friends, my camper friends who are here tonight, that you would meet us where we are and comfort those of us who mourn. And for those of us who feel the stress of this world of trying to fit in or wishing there was more peace or wishing there was more love, would you remind us that the solution to all these problems in the world is found in you, Jesus? Would you transform us? May we leave empty buckets at the well of shame for us. And may we be filled with your comfort, with your love, and with your hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.